0: This is uh, Fireside Chat number 11, but you know what? I look back and we missed number six. <laughs> oh, no,
1: we did?
0: Yeah, it goes from five to seven. Oh. So unless we didn't do six or unless Renee didn't post six, we don't mm. have six. Okay. Anyway, this is Fireside Chat. It's Dr. Stewart's podcast with me, your host, Dr. Stuart Fishbine, community-based practicing obstetrician and longtime advocate for birth choices. And I'm here, as usual, with the best co-host in the business. In her kitchen, mm-hmm. the mysterious one, my friend, Bliss Young. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome, Bliss. Uh, yeah, people, thanks. people wonder if like we Welcome, we prep before we, t- we, we do this. We purposely actually don't. We don't talk before She
1: doesn't let me. Talk We're happy about.
0: to be back with you for Fireside Chat number eleven. But uh, obviously, it's a, the non-Fireside chats. And uh, you can find us at uh, birthinginstincts is my website, and you're at bringing Bliss
1: B R Y N B L I S S
0: dot com. com and then Instagram obviously you know where to find bliss me at Instagram I'm at Birthing Instincts and on Facebook uh, you know where to find me and you find bliss at Birthing Bliss on Facebook or you not on Facebook
1: yeah no Birthing Bliss my Frame. okay mm-hmm. and you can write me at
0: askdrstu at gmail.com and you can write you at <laughs>
1: bliss at
0: birthingbliss.com okay nice color on you today
1: Okay, I did yoga today, so I'm a little yeah, disheveled. Little less Not all cl- dressed up. A little less
0: cleavage today. too. <laughs> <laughs> Last but <time. laughs> got some comments about that. You did? Yeah.
1: Well, that's funny. No, I did. Do uh, they want more or less?
0: <laughs> no, they're all women. <laughs>
1: they're like, we don't really have. You know what? We don't really have much you know really
0: of a male audience. I would like to have some more males to chime in and give comments.
1: You are one of a kind. In a home so there it says get a candle.
0: What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means. All right. Um, well, what was I going to say? Oh, so you went uh, you, you yoga this morning? I yoga. I went for a two mile hike this morning. Nice. Mm-hmm. Where? Cold water. Oh, we were just talking about students going to be hiking in Sedona. I was like, this is really hot. Uh, I'm not good at hiking. in the Yeah. You know, again, when you, when you drive in, the first thing you see is a big sign that says everyone must wear masks. In the in the uh, in the in the park. Oh, I know. I'm always like. Eh. So yeah, you know, I know that, but it's amazing to me. I mean, it's 100 degrees. Well, it's, it was 80 this morning, but mm-hmm. but and it's <laughs> and you're outside middle yeah. nowhere, mm-hmm. and that's going to lead into sort of what I wanted to talk about today. Because even though we have great breech birth, which we'll get to, and we'll do a chapter on uh, I think for previa today in fearless pregnancy. I have to get into this stupidity and the idiocy of what's going on in the world right now. Um, did you want to say anything or do anything before I go into that? Because <laughs> that's a pretty... That's a pretty uh, well, this is your podcast. Yeah. So um, right. I'm
1: going to let you just... do. I think
0: you've
1: been holding your tongue for a couple weeks on this one. Yeah. Because you've mentioned it a couple of times. Like, I just want to talk about nice
0: stuff. Yeah. Well, last week was probably... We tried to do a very positive one. This one... I'm going to try to put a positive spin on the EDC that's going on. We'll see. Because <laughs> I'm in a great, you know, my, my life is pretty good right now. I mean, I, I'm on vacation. I mean, I'm not technically out of town, but I, I did my last birth.
1: Mm-hmm. That's on
0: the schedule. I may pick up somebody next week who's over 42 weeks or, or uh, you know, somebody who's pretty two if I'm still in town. Like, I I, I, I turned down two, maybe even three breaches. Yeah. In August, while well, I'm out of town. You so, have to yeah, that. the choices are getting, are getting more narrow and more narrow. One woman was told by uh, an ultrasonographer, an MFM, that her baby was incomplete breach. One leg was sort of complete breach, the other leg was frank breach. And one of the few breach doctors in Ventura County wouldn't do her because the doctor wrote on the report that she was incomplete breach. That's not an incomplete breach, that's just the frank breach who pulled its leg down for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm or a complete breach that stuck its leg up for five minutes. But either way, you have no idea what that baby's going to be in labor, and to, and to mandate that that woman have a C-section scheduled um, before you let, see what the baby is in labor is crazy. And the misinformation out there about incomplete breach or footling breach, when it really is just complete breaches with their feet below the butt, um, is, is mislabeled so often. So many of my breach colleagues, we've all we all talk about this all the time, that when people are told that they, you know the, if the foot pops out first, people call that a foot length breach, which is absolutely not true. I mean, if it's 32 weeks and it's three centimeters dilated, and the foot pops out—that's a foot length mm-hmm. breach. But at term, when they're complete and pushing and the feet pop out, that's not a foot length breach; that's a complete breach.
1: So it has to do with the um, the hips being flexed or not flexed.
0: Hips right? flexed, knees knees flexed, right? Mm-hmm. As opposed to hips extended, knees extended, mm-hmm. right? Right. Anyway, so but so I'm in a pretty good place right now. I'm hiking and I feel physically fit. And I'm eating good. healthier. Good. Um. Yeah. So that's all good. But I read a certain authors. I think I've mentioned before that there, there's no way to know what you watch on the news anymore is real. It's all pretty much fake. Um. It's all politically oriented or ideologically driven. And you can never know when you're seeing something, or even when a politician is speaking. You know, it's the old joke how do you know when a, poli- when a lawyer or a politician is lying? Their lips are moving. They're right. They're teenagers. Oh, is that new? I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. Teenage boys? Or is it teenage girls too? But I've just heard teenagers. Okay. Right. okay. So, one of the guys that I read a lot, well, first of all, everything that I was taught growing up about logic and reasoning and acceptance um, and even civilly disagreeing has been thrown on its head right now. You can't, there is no logic. There is no reason lying. There's no shame in people who can overtly look at the camera and say something that is overtly, I used the word overtly twice there, but I didn't mean to do that. Um, It's overtly false and make it sound like it's true. Okay. Okay. And I, it, drives me, it drives me absolutely insane. I don't know whether to look at you or look at the camera. What should I be doing? Look at them. Look at them? Yeah. Okay. It's hard because I'm supposed to be looking <laughs> at the person. It's always taught politely to look at the person I'm talking to. It's okay. But when I'm monologuing, it's hard for me to. You're talking to them. Okay. Well, they're listening. All right. So.
1: I'm
0: <laughs> <laughs> Eli Agassi needs to join.
1: I don't know who that is.
0: That's that,
1: that
0: sort of partner. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was a tennis player for a second, wasn't that? it? And that's Agassiz. What's his first name? Oh, gosh, don't ask me. Are you supposed to know that stuff?
1: No, I don't know names.
0: Okay. Okay. Uh, <laughs> see how fast people fall out of fame? Okay. Anyway, my, my, uh, one of the guys that I like reading is a man named Victor Davis Hansen. And yes, he's a conservative, and yes, he works for the Hoover Institute. And yes, he's a farmer in Central California, but he is a historian and he's really wise. And I've watched a lot of his videos on World War II or the Korean War, you know, to learn the history of those wars. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a great series uh, through a um, certain college that he, he works, he publishes through their college. Anyway, I want to read this thing because it's just, the title of the piece is Coronavirus Pandemic Exposing Cultural Suicide. By elites in the sports, academia, and Hollywood. Okay, cultural suicide used to be a popular diagnosis of why things suddenly just quit. Historians such as two guys, which you and I have never heard of, Oswald Spengler and Arnold Toynbee. He's a very really bright guy. This guy, mm-hmm. uh, Victor Davis Hanson, mm-hmm. cited social cannibalism to explain why once successful states, institutions, and cultures simply died off. Their common explanation was that the arrogance of successes ensures lethal consequences. Once elites became pampered and arrogant, they feel exempt from their ancestors' respect for moral and spiritual laws like thrift, moderation, and transcendence. Take professional sports. Over the last century, professional baseball, basketball, and and football were racially integrated and adopted a uniform code of patriotic observance. The three leagues offered fans a pleasant respite from daily barroom politics. As a result, by the 21st century, the NFL, NBA, and Major League Baseball had become global multi-billion dollar enterprises. Then hubris ensued. The owners, coaches, and players were not always racially diverse, but that inconvenient truth does not stop the leagues from hectoring their fans about social activism, even as they no longer honor common patriotic rituals. All three leagues have suffered terribly during the viral lockdown as American life mysteriously went on without them. And they have almost ensured that they won't fully recover when the quarantine ends. Many of their off pampered multimillionaire players refuse to honor the national anthem. In the NFL, they now will broadcast their policies on their helmets. They will virtual signal their moral superiority to increasingly turned-off fans, as if to ensure that their sources of support flee. The universities. Lots of American universities become became virtual global brands in the 21st century. Sky-high tuition, rich foreign students, guaranteed student loans, and clubbed-like facilities convinced administrators and faculty that higher education was sacrosanct. The universities preached that every successful American had to have a bachelor's degree, as if higher education monopoly deserved guaranteed customers. But soon, 1.6 trillion in aggregate student loan debt, lightweight and trendy curricula, ideological hectoring, administrative bloat, reduced teaching loads, placement of graduates and the suspension of the Bill of Rights on campus began to turn off students and the public. If students can Zoom or Skype their classes from home this fall, why pay $70,000 a year for the campus experience? Supposedly woke and informed rioters this summer incoherently toppled or damaged the statues of everyone from Robert E. Lee and Ulysses S. Grant to Frederick Douglass and Miguel de Cervantes. So the public might begin to wonder how the nation's multi-trillion dollar investment in higher education actually serving the country. Soon, popular forum will begin more dangerous questions for American universities. Maybe the country should subsidize the training of more essential electricians, plumbers, contractors, and and masons instead of unemployable environmental and ethnic studies majors. If the the university president wanted to devise a plan for how to destroy his university, he could not have come up with a better one than what has happened on campus in recent decades. I would always agree with everything that's going on here, but should I keep going? Yep, up to you. It's my show? Yeah. Okay. Hollywood. All right. Hollywood should have been ecstatic over 21st century globalization, which should have made filmmakers and stars even richer and more popular with potential audiences of more than 7 billion people. But the quarantine has shut down most theaters. Amazon, Netflix, Facebook, along with cable TV have sent theater revenues diving for years. Silicon Valley can create filmmakers... We have no need to get near Southern California. In response, Hollywood counts on bringing back comic books to the big screen or on making poor remakes of old classics. When directors try to make a serious new movie, the result is often a monotony and boredom of thinly veiled old propaganda. Viewers can take only so many heroic and green crusaders, diverse superhumans and beautiful feminists, and only so many villainous cardboard cutout Russian oligarchs, toothless and twangy Southern Neanderthals, and corporate guest men. hypocrisy gets worse when Chinese government often adjudicates adjudicates, movie content as the price of entering a Chinese market with more than a billion potential customers. We've talked about that. We've talked about how on Tom Cruise's jacket in Top Gun 2 they removed the the Taiwan and the Japanese stickers Mm -hmm. to appease China. Silly things like that. Um, Professional sports universities in the modern motion picture industry all know that what they are doing is bad for business, but they still believe they are rich and powerful and thus invulnerable. They are also ignorant of history and cannot be persuaded that they are destroying themselves. At this late date, all that matters is the country itself learns from these suicidal examples and heals itself. If the U.S. is not to become an extinct Easter Island, it must rediscover a respect for its past honor for the dead who gave us so much the desire to invest rather than to spend, and a need for some sense of transcendence. If we do not believe what we do today has consequences for our children after we are gone, there are ancient existential forces in the world that will intervene and it won't be nice. Period. Okay. So I hope I didn't lose anybody who, with monologuing, I don't like to read an article, but that article really touched me this morning because everything about that article, I think, is... Is, is how I feel what's happening in academia, what's happening in Hollywood and specifically what's happening to me with professional sports um there is, no, there is no respite anymore you can't go to a Hollywood movie without them making a crack about Trump or a crack about Republicans you can't go to watch a professional sports without someone taking a knee or somebody lecturing somebody on uh, after the game on, on social justice um and the university speaks for themselves. So I bring this up because this is happening in medicine as well, where it really hits home for me. The battles over, over treatments for COVID, the hydroxychloroquine or. Oh, okay. I said the word res. Well, the, the viral, the viral, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Residivir or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Residivir or something. Um, it's, it's, it, it's, it's all political. It's, it's like. You know whether hydroxychloroquine works or it doesn't work. All right, Daniel Wallace, who's a he's a who's a OB at C, I mean OB, he's an endocrinologist at Cedars. I've known him. He's published over four hundred peer-reviewed papers. He uh, it, 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 he the tech, He wrote the textbook on lupus. All right, he's used this drug for forty years. He knows that there's almost no side effects from it. If it works, great. If it doesn't work, it's not hurting anybody. Why are people so angry about it? Why is Big Tech? censoring people who are supporting it and deleting their their posts.
1: You're talking about the doctors. The doctors in Washington, Mm right. That got
0: deleted. Right. You know, can you imagine a a black doctor from the South extolling the virtues of hydroxychloroquine gets, gets banned. If some conservative organization banned a black liberal, the the news media would be going crazy. Mm-hmm. So, what's happening? The divisiveness that's happening because of of people preaching, people not being tolerant, people not accepting the fact that that just put the information out there and let let the American people decide. This goes this goes with, with what we talk about all the time: right. informed consent. All right? Let people make their own choices. And I think what's going to happen is that half the country is going to stop watching sports. They're going to learn that they don't have to send their kid to $40,000 a semester or a year college. Mm-hmm. And they, and I don't know, I'd love to go, i love going to the movies, but I just don't see the movies coming back. Which is bad. Yeah. Okay. Right.
1: Um.
0: So there, I just said a lot. You can comment or not.
1: Yeah, I'm torn. Um, you know. Is anything that
0: is is anything that I said untrue? You may disagree with it, but is it and that's fair, but is it untrue? I'm not what, he said, what he said.
1: Well, I'm not gonna get into the truth of what he said. Um, but I can tell you that I believe that um, there's a lot about our history and about the way that things have been done that are not serving all people. And that's why you're seeing things breaking down and dismantling. And I think holding on to something that is broken because it gives us some kind of peaceful respite for people who are living inside of this culture that have not been able to get that um, is um, not, it's just not aware of other people's experience. And I get it. It's uncomfortable right now. And we're having a lot of um, things break down, but we're talking about people who are losing their lives, who are, who are Captain Poverty, who, you know, there's a lot of other things going on that's more serious than sports and movie theaters, although I do miss movies. I mean, I get it, but I'm also very happy that things are um, are being shaken up, and it, and it is uncomfortable, and it is unsettling, but I think that it's necessary, and I think that if we take it back to
0: medicine
1: – which is where we always kind of can find a common ground. And that's what most of the people who are here want to hear us talk about is, you know, if we look at the broken system of medicine, it it would be good for a lot of those things to dissolve, even though there'll be people that don't get the care that they need because of the, the system being dismantled. But if we can rebuild it, we can build a better system than just continuing to say,
0: Well the the big is broken,
1: but I don't want it to be uncomfortable. I don't
0: disagree with you on on the premise, but here's the big difference between medicine and everything else I discussed Mm -hmm. and what you just talked about breaking things down. Is in medicine at least you and I and other people are offering an alternative solution. All right? I don't see the people that are want to tear down the American system or that want to tear down what they consider to be inequality offering something that, that can logically, economically, or in any way possibly work. They're they're tearing stuff down before they have an answer. You would never do that. You don't tear a building down before you have actually plans to build something new in its place. That's how you do it. You know you don't you don't tear your kitchen down but then you haven't met with an architect yet.
1: You might get a divorce and not know how you're gonna rebuild a new relationship. I mean, you know, you don't always have... well, no, but you know you're going to go on. You know you're going to have an
0: apartment to live in. You know you're going to still go to work that day. You know, you're not tearing down... You're talking about tearing down everything. In medicine, when we talk about how the hospital model of obstetrics is not done a service, we, we've offered an alternative, a midwifery model of care. Well, I got something to talk about here. with talking about um, checklists, checklists, um, and I'll, I'll get into that. Maybe it'll, it'll, it'll relate how they talk about how you're supposed to have checklists when, you know, and all the things that you, and there's no, but the system doesn't offer any time for that. You don't have time in the middle of a delivery to take a time out with everybody. And the baby's heart rate's at 80. Okay. Time out now. Right, we're going to put a vacuum on. Is everybody in place? Are NICU this is what they're talking about. So it's, they, live, they live in a world of academia with, a, with with no reality, but we offer an alternative to that. Like, reach home birth mm-hmm. or reach birth anywhere you know mm-hmm. um but th- but what's happening with with like professional sports this is stick with professional sports because it's the thing that bothers me the most first of all it's so where we i watched hockey yesterday mm-hmm. they they're they're some i think these are these are still practice games. i think they're regular season the little playoff they're having starts tomorrow but I think that they're piping in sound there's nobody in the stands. Yeah, it's
1: different.
0: It's just weird. And I told you, I think last time I said I watched golf for 20 minutes. Guy hits a perfect shot, two feet from the pin, and there's no applause. Yeah, it's just, it, you know, when you've been watching something for 50 years, and suddenly it's different. It's really hard to yes. to adjust to it.
1: Yes, we're adjusting to new things that feel very uncomfortable.
0: But I'm also not sure that the these these precautions that we have, which are being constantly altered now now we're supposed to wear goggles I don't know you <laughs> now you. okay yeah Fauci <laughs> says we should wear goggles now so um but but all these things are changing constantly and I'm not even sure that they do any good like I told you I went on a hike this morning we talked a little bit beforehand mm-hmm. and there's a sign up in the canyons that says you must wear a mask it doesn't say please wear a mask it says you must wear a mask well today less people wear a mask today than they were a week ago when I went a week ago mm-hmm. Um, so people are starting to really get fed up with the idea that I'm outdoors in 80 degree heat, which is now 90, (laughs) the last hour. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have to wear a mask when I'm walking by myself or somebody else is coming the other way and we're outside. It it makes, it's, it's all, it's all lunacy and, and and people don't trust recommendations anymore and people shouldn't. And every day I hear stuff from people who have been told silly things by maternal fetal medicine specialists or, or their obedience. And and, and I, I don't know what to tell them other than I don't know how we trust anything that any doctor says anymore. Because they're willing. And so in professional sports win, well, that's been always a respite for people. Whether you're a Democrat or Republican, whether you're a right winger, left winger, you, you, know, you can cheer for your, your football team but now you can't
1: you can't yeah
0: right so how is that good i mean you're saying it's tearing something down but does everything need to be torn down maybe really and what's going to replace it though i mean the, the country that's giving these people the best opportunity these are these are multi-millionaires complaining wookie bets the shorts the the, the Dodgers signed in for $350 million. Mm-hmm. Takes a knee during the National Anthem.
1: For him, for himself or for, for, for other people? Fine, whatever.
0: Okay. All right. But somebody's paying $350 million to play baseball.
1: Yeah. All right. Yeah.
0: He wants to take a knee uh, at home or on his own Instagram account. That's one thing. But to take a knee when he's standing there and, and expects people to watch him. Yeah. You know?
1: I agree
0: with using your platform. If, if, if I were the owners of those companies, I would have a I would have a morals clause or something in there that says, you know, you take a knee, fine, you don't play. And you don't get paid. You wanna take a knee, you know, after the game at home, you know, being interviewed on Sports Center, fine. But when our fans are watching our game, okay, it's America's game, baseball. All right, you know, to, to be disrespectful to the flag is disrespectful to everybody who died for the flag. That's how I feel about it. Okay. Right. Ready to move on? Yeah, sure. I got, okay. that. I got that out of
1: my way. Okay,
0: good. I'm glad you got it out of your system. Right.
1: And I do want men. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. They can
0: be any age. Yeah. Right. It can be from uh, two days old. Actually, you know what? I don't think that anybody who's two days old should be watching oh. our podcast. <laughs> no screen time for a baby. Yes.
1: Okay. So, what else did you want to talk about? Um,
0: well, we can talk about a, a, a marvelous breech birth. Okay. Yes, this was great. This was a, a primate, 41 weeks.
1: Oh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, I yeah, I Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I posted it on Instagram. It got a lot of, it got a lot of traffic. It got like 10, so cute. 10,000 people chunky. on Facebook. And yeah, I, I love it. It's interesting how just putting a picture of a baby or something on on Instagram, you get so many more hits ben. than if you put a picture of you and me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cuter. Like 10 times more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the matter with you people? You're not, you're not sharing... Our picture. Anyway, this was, a, this was a great story because, you know, she wasn't given a choice by anywhere else. And she was really determined. And she was very young. She's only 22, 23 years old. And um, she really wanted it. And then, um, like every woman who gets or goes beyond her due date or even gets close to her due date, she started to get really impatient. And I just kept telling him to wait. Don't, we're not going to do anything. The midwife said, well, can I... Strip remembrance. I said, absolutely not. We don't mess with breech babies. We don't, you know, we shouldn't mess with any babies, but we don't mess with breech babies. You're not 42 weeks. And 42 weeks for me isn't a big deal either. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but she went until she broke her bag of waters at about 1.30 in the morning. She was very sweet, didn't wake us, wake me up until 7. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but the weird thing is, is she didn't get any break in her contractions for almost 12 hours. Mm-hmm. It seemed like she was vocalizing the whole time and even when she was only three centimeters she was having rectal rectal pressure yeah but the baby wasn't that far down so it must have been the way her body was wired Mm -hmm. and uh and then she got to about six to seven centimeters and she had it and she just said i want to go to the hospital and we had a great support team we had a great doula and a great midwife and my student was there and her husband was really supportive and she was in the tub and we said, okay, well, we're going to hydrate you, we're gonna get you out, we're gonna give you an IV, and we're gonna hydrate you, and we're going to recheck you again in about a half hour, 45 minutes. And if things haven't changed at all, then we'll then we'll go to the hospital. She was also GBS positive mm-hmm. and didn't want antibiotics. she had been ruptured now about thirteen hours, I guess. And after she got the IV fluid, her contractions did space out a little bit. She got a little bit of a break. She was on the bed. I checked her, and she was just a a, like a swollen anterior lip. Oh beautiful.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: so she was just hitting that transition. She was pushing, you know, with an undilated cervix, which you and I've seen before. Where you got, you got to either, you know, in a primate, it's really hard to reduce it. In a multip, you can sometimes just like take your fingers and slip it right over. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, so she, we got her, you know, we got her in lithotomy position, and I was able to reduce the cervix with. After about maybe twenty minutes, I was able to get it out of the way. And then I told her if she wants to turn over on all fours, she could. She, said, I don't want to. <laughs> this happens a lot with my clients. Mm-hmm. A lot of my breaches. You know, we're trying to get them on all fours. They don't want to go on all fours. Do mm-hmm. You have any, any thoughts on that? Um, of why they wouldn't want yeah. to?
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Is it harder? Is it harder? And on your knees, is it more? Is it easier just to lay there on your back? And um, no.
1: I mean, I think I think sometimes the thought of changing
0: positions sometimes can become
1: overwhelming. Like women who even know that they want to be in the tub and I'm like, okay, it's the time to get us off the toilet and into the tub, do you want to do that? And they're like, I don't know if I can move. And we're like, we can help you. And then they, you know, once, once we're actually physically helping them do it, they feel better yeah. that they've made that choice. But I think it's such an intense experience. They're just afraid of, or it's hard to imagine changing. So that
0: might be it. Well, she pushed heroically, and it was, you know, gain a millimeter, lose a half a millimeter, you know, and the baby would come, come a little bit further down, a little bit further down, so she stopped going go right back. Okay. But she was getting, yeah, she was yeah. getting a nice break in between. Mm-hmm. Baby's bottom got so black and blue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Eventually, she began to rump, mm-hmm. and then it would go back in again, and it would rump. And the husband was to say, honey, I can see her butt. And it's like, you know, there's about this much of the butt showing, and I don't want to say anything about, like, that's like, like it's going to be like this. <laughs> like 10%. I don't want to. I don't want to discourage anybody. So he's just he's he's cheering her on. It's yeah. the greatest thing. And hey, it's your butt. And then afterward, after the birth, he says, "I couldn't believe it. I thought I thought that that was her butt." It says, "No, that was just her thigh." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so she came, so she got it down, and she was able. to be we putting warm compresses on her bottom, and she was able to bring it to where it finally stayed. And once it stays there, then things happen fairly quickly. She couldn't resist pushing. I mean, even though I told her to take a break and blow, she, the contraction, she was pushing anyway. And the baby did this beautiful rotation, just like it spoke, just like just like in the lectures and textbook, <laughs> rotated to uh, tum to bum or, or, or sacrum anterior. And that, so I knew that at that point that the arms were going to be in the right position. But of course, she's on her back, so she needs a little bit of help, sort of like, in the video um or the documentary with a, a baby aurora where that baby if if sarah had been on all fours that baby would have been hanging there and come out by itself same thing here except this baby was a little bit bigger a lot bigger <laughs> uh so she got the legs out by herself and then i just used a little towel or I rotated a little side and i swept the left arm out and then i turned the other way and the right arm just popped out and then we just uh, lifted up and did the, what's called the marcel smelly bite and they were and kept the head flex and came out and she delivered over an intact perineum. It's amazing. Nine pounds, two ounce. Good for her. Rich baby. Yay.
1: Yeah. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. And baby, baby was, you know, had a little, a little bit stunned when it came out, but by one minute, I think we gave it an eight on the Aftar. Uh Very herbly. Um, lots of fluid in the lungs, doesn't get the chance to clear the fluid as much as the uh, head down yeah. baby does, mm-hmm. but maybe cleared it on its own little bit of postural drainage um, but just turning the baby side you know side to side maybe cleared it on its own and it was great it was great and we're going to go see them right after uh today's um, facebook live postpartum visit great congratulations yeah that's two breaches uh two primate breaches which is great i I, you know uh, multi-breaches i love because they always work Mm -hmm. but it's the primate breaches that really need to have vaginal delivery
1: yeah Avoid
0: that first yep. section. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I feel really good about that. So even though what I do is considered outlying, what I want to do would be considered, you know, if if academic medicine ran Instagram, I would get banned <laughs> <laughs> because what I do is not the mainstream. No. No. And
1: right. um, we know that, but we take a risk with um, kind of being. On the on the fringe of things. Which yeah. Is one of the things I really respect about you is that you
0: continue to do that, even though I really you know, want to keep doing it's it. Challenging. I want to keep doing it. I just need to have a life in between. But I, but I, I really would love to. I don't even, you know, I don't see how we even get back to teaching again. I mean, I've I've had medical students call me right now because medical students because they can't find anybody who they can't get a clinical rotation right now. Mm-hmm. So. It's just the, the, everything is disrupted. I mean, it's totally. just totally disrupted. Totally. Um, you know, I keep reading on my Google feed uh, for home birth that there's more and more people are having home births, yet I don't see. You know, I don't. I don't see the percentages rising dramatically anywhere. I mean. But
1: I'm glad that it's being talked about more, especially in a more public forum.
0: That's great. Yeah. So I got a COVID test yesterday. You told me we were gonna get it.
1: I know, I just okay. thought it would be interesting to hear, like, how the experience
0: was. Yeah, did you get a my Tuesday get the result back, or did you? No,
1: no, no, I couldn't go Tuesday oh. because the wait was over two hours, and I had to take it. a drive
0: through thing? Uh-huh. Right, right, right.
1: I had to take my son to a dentist
0: appointment. Yeah, yeah. so tell us I about that, because I, 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 everybody wants to sort of know that and nobody really knows how to do that.
1: Yeah, so I'll put the link on my Instagram of uh, where you can make the appointment. But it was really easy. Um and it was either covered under my insurance or free. Um and you know um they does, do they
0: take your insurance card? How do they how does that work?
1: My insurance doesn't start until August.
0: So I just said I wasn't but they asked for it. Oh it some of the cost. So if you did have one they would take it, they would think a four yeah, thousand and they also
1: ask when you're driving through they say, you know, your donations help me so people can also donate. But um, they give you a little text message with a confirmation number. And they say that you can't come in without an appointment. And you kind of meander through this big Where, 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 where did you go? Mine was on Canoga in, in Woodland Hill. Okay. Um, I think there were like six different spots. And um, they give you a window of time that you need to go in. And then they tell you you can't eat or drink about 20 minutes before you take the test they confirm with the, your um, reference number that you have an appointment and so they have your information and they put it on a little bag. It's like a drive-thru,
0: there's somebody standing there with like a little screen? Mm-hmm.
1: And they like, yep. can,
0: can you order like for afterwards? <laughs> can you like a, uh, like a uh, uh, burger animal style or something? No, yeah. no burger <laughs> animal
1: style. So then they hand you a bag that has the tube in it, you know, like a little tube and a swab. I did the oral swab, if it wasn't
0: a nose thing. Oh, um, really? Okay. Mm-hmm. So what, what's the difference?
1: I don't, I don't know.
0: Oh, okay. Because the nose one, everybody says it's sort of uncomfortable.
1: Well, I think I've been hearing that it's not as uh, aggressive as they were doing it in the beginning. I think they have learned a little bit, too, about the nose swab, so that it's not going back into your brain anymore. Um, but then I drove to the next spot, and I said, have you done this test before? And I said, no. And he said, okay, I'm going to walk you through it and showed me exactly how to do it myself, how to swab, and then put it in the tube. And then he's like, oh, first he said, it's says only roll your window down to inches, right? And they're standing over there with masks, and, and and he's like, okay, roll your window up and cough into your arm five times. So I did that first. And battery's running them all. Um. So I coughed into my arm, and then he showed me how to swab, and then you drive forward, and you drop it into like a mailbox kind of thing, where. It, and so no one ever Does it have your name on it? You. Does it have your name, or does
0: it have like your, your, your
1: the, number? Yeah, from the, the first spot where I gave him my confirmation number.
0: And you do all the <laughs> like sign-up online, Yep. Right. Yep. So, why does it take two hours to get through? Is it just that many people? Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: (laughs) It (laughs) it sounds like 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 it's pretty famous. It wasn't that bad. It was just the way, you know, the out. And it's constant all day long from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Just constant people.
0: And then, how long do you think you get the results back?
1: I should get them back right after the podcast. I'm negative, by the way.
0: (laughs) Oh, how do you
1: know? Because they're negative. I'm only well, taking it for my clients right. to feel more comfortable that I have a negative test. But the client, the people that I was supposedly exposed to, that her mom had, was so positive. Anybody they can do negative. this now. Anybody, uh, yeah.
0: anybody can do Well, that. they
1: asked me a few questions in the beginning. I'm like. Uh-huh. They yeah. said, um, do you have any symptoms, which I don't. And then they said, um, have you been exposed to somebody? And I just said yes, And then it was the secondary exposure that I talked about last week. Um, because I, I knew that they might say no if I said sure. yes. And then they said, "Are you know, are you one of these people? And one of them was like a healthcare worker. worker. Um, so I said yes, and sure. I think that's why I was able to.
0: When they ask you if you've been exposed to somebody you said yes, did they ask you the name of the person? No. Okay, good. I, but I thought, you know, I'm glad you don't. Believe me, I, I wouldn't give it out anyway.
1: Well, if I'm positive, they said they will contact me to, because they're trying to do contact
0: tracing. Yeah, I know. I'm still being harassed by somebody from the health department on um, one of my patients who was pregnant, at, who, got, who was positive for COVID at like 30 weeks, you know, and she delivered like two, three months ago already. And they're still trying to contact me and want me to like fill out a whole bunch of information on her, mm-hmm. which I don't really have because it all, it all, the whole questionnaire is about, is assume she had a hospital birth with her twin. Mm-hmm. So they're asking me about her medical record number and her, you know and all this stuff which which isn't doesn't apply but also I, I have this thing I know that maybe it's my civic duty but then of course I'm me <laughs> so uh, but like I have something from Cigna also wants wants me to fill out a, a three page form they have a, a nurse that follows the patient as well so Cigna health care plan mm-hmm. they want me to fill out this three page form it's like well, are you gonna pay me for that why would I fill out a form for you why would I do that? You want to copy her records? I'll send you her records, but I'm not Is it
1: for her
0: to get paid? No, 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 no. It's, uh, it's Signa uh, wanting to uh, just follow up on this person. And it's also, and then it's also the health department wanting me to fill out this two-page, three-page questionnaire on on this report. And it's like, well, you know, why do you expect that I'm going to do that for free?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about that last week. Before. Yeah. to something else, like... Having to do with um, cord blood banking, and, right? Well, cord blood banking like, they pay you
0: for, but but you know, something else that we, yeah, that yeah. they're not tracking you, they're not paying you for those sorts of things. So, yeah, I don't, I don't really understand. I mean, I guess I do understand it because doctors have always been suckers. And just done,
1: done that stuff. Well,
0: have right. admin people too. Anyway, yeah,
1: yeah. what else do I talk about? Well, I think, I think
0: that, you know, first of all, I think it's great that you got it, and it's good to know for people. To know that they can actually drive through and get that? Yeah. Um, it
1: was kind of a weird experience. It very apocalyptic, you know, but whatever. I'm glad I didn't have to go into a place and actually get exposed to people who really do have COVID. That was yeah, I, I, wonder, was, I wonder if, 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 if I could,
0: uh, if, you know, can, can doctors get them for their offices through, through labs, like LabCorp and stuff like that? Because I heard LabCorp was, is, is like one of the leaders in, in doing this. Do you, know was, nice. you know, do you know who was doing?
1: I'll put the link. I'll put the link. Is it a
0: specific lab that's doing it? Or is it just the government and then they're sending it off to Quest or core or something? No, it had, it had an actual name. Um, and I
1: can't remember it off the top of my head. It wasn't
0: a government thing. Okay. But yeah, yeah, I'll put the link. Okay, good. Yeah, well, we've got a couple more things that I wanted you to get off my chest today. So I think we'll little we Michael well getting stuff off your chest today. More okay. That okay. Um, so, again... I, I, I have said so many times before that the way academic medicine works is not practical. It's not, you know, it, it's like they, they sit there and they think things up and they make, they make more work to do and they think that they're doing something good. And I, and I truly believe that they actually believe that. But it, it's, it's, it's like not how normal people think. It's not, at least maybe I'm not normal. But it's not how my (laughs) midlife people and people that I work with, they would think like this. But here's here's a typical thing. They they sent out a thing. The Society for Maternal Fetal Medicine sends out a a statement on operative vaginal delivery, which means forceps or vacuums. And they they've designed a checklist for performance and documentation. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the, the introductory statement. Oh, is it over? (laughs)
1: <laughs> what is it saying we're just
0: having trouble playing this video did i get did i just get banned for something <laughs> did facebook ban me no it says um you haven't
1: ended yet it's still going the number yeah are. just it, keep
0: talking and maybe it'll come back on okay uh, yeah if uh laura or hannah if you're still listening could you just send me a text a message to but make I'm sure having
1: that some technical difficulties over
0: yeah, I just want—I—I'm I, I'm suspicious that I was talking about the wrong things on, on Facebook and I got banned. Okay. Um, all right. So anyway, so they they introduce it by saying reducing the rate of primary cesarean delivery is a major maternal safety goal in contemporary obstetrics. You can see what I wrote right next to it. Oh. So. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Since when? You know, they make a statement. So this is called this is this is this is called a straw man argument. Mm-hmm. All right. They made a statement that really isn't true. All right. Because they're not really trying to reduce the rate of primary C-section. Okay. They're, they say it because it sounds good, but they're not, they're not doing it. This has never happened before. So no, uh, use camera. I'm using the camera. That's really interesting. I, I, I'm really suspicious. Okay. Um, <laughs> It said that in uh, OB-GYN residents who completed their training in 2019, reported they performed only 14 vacuum extraction deliveries and only four forceps deliveries during their entire training. And I and I put four question mark like I I I would suspect they've done zero forceps deliveries. Yeah. In their training, yeah. Because
1: they not being trained anymore. Yeah, and unless
0: some institutions are doing a lot of them and then they average it out, because I would say maybe. 5 or 10% of residents probably get training in forceps. Wow, that's
1: amazing. It's terrible.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. For medical legal reasons, optimal documentation requires the recording of several specific elements that are unique to forceps or vacuum delivery. Reliance on memory alone may result in one or more elements being overlooked. Okay. So, again, who are we documenting for?
1: The administrators and the lawyers.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. The baby's out. All right. You write your note. But no one's ever going to read your note again if everything's fine. Right. So you're documenting if something isn't fine. Um, but there's also a standard of practice or or, or, or the way you do things over uh, re- repeatedly. You do them all the time. Then, you know, that's, you know, I, I can't remember what it's called. It's not called standard operating procedure, but it's called usual and customary or something, the way you, you always do something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's not good enough. Not good enough. A cognitive aid, such as a checklist, is well suited to the situation. They propose two checklists. Okay. For the checklist design, we follow the guidance of project checks, checklists for checklists. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this. Okay. Each item is phrased as a question to be read out aloud. No, to the to the people in the room. Okay, so. Example, all right, so what is the primary indication for the operative delivery? Prolonged second stage, fetal compromise, maternal benefit, okay? So let me ask a question. If it's fetal compromise, right, we're going to pause for a checklist? Right. Okay. Is the estimated fetal weight reasonable? Is the cervix fully dilated? Are the maternal pelvis dimensions judged to be adequate? Is the fetal head engaged? Is the fetal head position known? I do on know it goes, okay. Um, and then, pre-procedure timeout. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it this because I don't even think mine's recording. We'll see. Are all team members present? Does a patient, you know, OB, nursing, anesthesia, pediatrics? Oh, we can't deliver the baby yet. Tease isn't here.
1: <laughs>
0: what? What? Okay. Does the patient identify... Oh. Does the patient identity match the chart? Is this the right patient? (laughs) No, this is this. this, They expect you to stop and do this. This is a pre-procedure timeout. Mm -hmm. Okay. These are not people who work in a delivery room. These are people who administrate, who think that by doing this, they're going to improve safety. Right. Will the vacuum extraction be performed? Is the gestational age greater than thirty-four weeks? What pressure will be used? All right. Will forceps delivery perform? performed? Uh, are contingencies in place for cesarean delivery? Is anesthesia adequate? Has the patient's bladder been emptied? What will be the indication to perform a episiotomy? What pre- preparations have been made for possible postpartum hemorrhage? Um, the same as every birth. Right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. But this is how this is how the people that run my profession think, and this is how young doctors are being trained Mm -hmm. drives me crazy so i take this all right now i understand documentation writing a note that's all important but it's not the important it's not the most important thing stopping to announce that is everyone in the room and let's check the patient's wristband and stuff when a baby is heart rate is at 80 yeah,
1: fuck okay. it. Thank you. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Not at all. Okay. So, Laura says she can still see and hear us. Okay. That Anna can hear nice. us, but she can't see us, I guess. I've got a
1: good question here. Okay. Dr. Stu, how do you think we can reduce racism in the birth world and reduce the African-American mortality rates? What would be practical steps?
0: Why don't you tackle that first? No, they asked you. Okay.
1: <laughs>
0: I think it has to do with some of the earlier. Well, sure it does. It, sure it does. Um, I think I think that this is a this is a really it's not a one answer it's not a one solution answer, right? Because it goes much much deeper than that. It goes into you know access to healthcare and poverty and the whole healthcare system and um, how monetary rewards are are in, in, in certain. In certain things and how the, the the state pays poorly for people on state funded um, programs like Medi- Medicaid, Medicare, Cal. Well, Medicare here in California, mm-hmm. Medicaid is, mm-hmm. is you know is nationwide, USP. right? Yeah. And so, in order for doctors to be able to provide care to those women, they have to do large volume. And I think whenever you do large volume. You are going to diminish quality of care, right? Um, getting into the into the areas, uh, you know, I you know people are going to yell at me for saying this, but I don't really see color when I'm taking care of a client, right? I think that that we're blaming sometimes the race of the client, and I and I understand that there is. Definitely higher mortality rates, higher stuff that goes on the black community. But I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure that it's that it's racism that's doing it, unless it's a different definition that I have of racism, which is how you know we see a person not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. But more to do with poverty, more to do with um, the way this, the way the medical system is set up. Uh, I think that the the, the redistribution of healthcare in such a way that getting rid of some of the middlemen that are making a fortune and having, you know, almost like vouchers for, for um, public schools so that people can decide where they want to go. If, if, if people are going to get money from the government to pay for certain things, the, money should, the people should be able to decide how to spend the money. It shouldn't be going into these, these, these mills that run these, these clinics that run, you know, hundreds of people through every day and they, they can't possibly give them good care. Or they get good, give even good access to care. Like they have to wait two hours for a five minute visit, that sort of thing. Then you're puzzled. No, I'm listening and then I'm
1: going to respond.
0: Right. So I think, you know, again, getting, changing the way, at least in OBGYN, which is what I think you're talking about here, is getting more midwives involved. Um, I don't, I, I'm not a believer that that a Asian person needs to be taken care of by an Asian midwife or a white person by a white midwife or a black person by a black, black midwife. I, I, I just, I just find that that's, that's divisive and that's going to end up leading to more schism in the healthcare system because we, we you know, we, we are all, this, we should be all treated the same when it comes to healthcare.
1: Yeah, but we're not. And the, and the statistics are real. Right. And they are not just people who are low income, although I agree that Medi Cal care is horrendous. Um, I myself have been on Medi Cal um, with my family and the treatment and access to care, and not being able to get appointments, the kind of appointments that we got, the kind of care we got is just ridiculous. Um, so that's a portion of it, but there are black, wealthy, Um, successful celebrities who also had things missed and and were at risk of dying. So it's, you know, there is evidence and proof that it doesn't just have to do with the low socioeconomic. It's across the board. And um, so not... I, I have a black couple in my care right now and I absolutely acknowledge and see that they're black because I know that they have more fear right now because they're having a black boy because they're in the middle of a pandemic because if they get transported I won't be going with them that they're at higher risk of having uh care um, there is discrimination that's in the textbooks about how these women you know right
0: so you're stating the problem and they agree with you but what's the how would you solve that problem that's what she's asking.
1: For. Yeah, but I just wanted to make sure and address some of the things that you said. Um, so getting access to midwives agreed. This is part of that dismantling the system because we need to have midwives more integrated into the system and they're not. So dismantling the medical
0: system, I'm 100% behind. So
1: that would be that would be one of the main ways Is and getting access to more midwives of color because Uh, women who want to see more of themselves represented and feel like they are going to be more heard and understood with like-minded people. So I think that a larger percentage of um, Black midwives helping them have access to that kind of care and having midwifery and then acknowledging that there is racism as part of what's happening in the system. I mean, it's
0: integrated into our system. Right. So, I, I think acknowledging something is one thing, but I'm not exactly sure how that, I mean, the answer is really difficult. That's why I said earlier, it's not, it is it's very not a difficult. simple answer it is very difficult. Because, because you can't yeah. suddenly tell people who don't think that they're racist or don't think that they're doing something different, that they need to do it differently. I'm not sure that, it, that having like diversity type training, that sort of thing, I don't know that that helps or not. I think it might help some people. It might, but my I look at my children, and I don't think my children see the world like like my generation saw the world.
1: Right. I think that
0: they're they're much more. I'd like to say colorblind, although not now colorblind necessarily isn't a good thing. But right. But they're they're much more indifferent. To the idea that that they treat anybody differently. So I'm hoping that that's going to be a change. I, I don't know how you yes. change the system. We can't get a system to change on something like breach delivery. I mean, how are you going to get it to change on racism? I I just, that's, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not an easy thing to tackle, but
1: it's a great question and I'm glad that you brought it up. I
0: think so. I think people need to, I mean, I think that all, all clients, but especially those of minorities need to know that they have the power to seek out other options
1: they need other options right. and they need to have access to that. And and we have to admit that it's very difficult right now to get access to care and to feel safe. And it's um it's not okay that um that brown and black women are feeling afraid to that they might die because someone's not gonna take care of them or is gonna ignore when they're saying yeah. that something is wrong and it's not gonna listen to them. That is a big problem, and that is I believe one of the ways that we need to start um, in in the ways that we are starting to have these conversations. You know, I wouldn't have considered myself to be someone who um, was not sensitive to racial issues because I come from a biracial family and, um, you know, I just wouldn't have even thought about it. But I'm learning. I'm learning things that are, are um, surprising to me in the subtle ways that it's just ingrained into our culture and then the way that we do things and that those changes do need to happen. And unfortunately, it's not an easy fix. And, and you know, one of the things that I appreciate about um, my relationship with Dr. Fishbein is that we don't always see eye to eye about everything. We have different political views, but
0: I'm yeah. Dr. Fishbutt when they went, when that's <laughs> the
1: last time you called me Dr. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, that we can continue to respect and honor each other as professionals and, and the good work that we do in the world and continue to keep the dialogue open and listen to each other and try and understand different points of view because we have so much love for each other and so much respect for each other that we don't just, um, what do they call it? cancel. We're not going to just cancel each other. We're going to keep talking about it. Yeah, next. that's why
0: uh, how I even opened up the whole thing yeah. talked I talked about. But th- just having a, a dialogue between two people who disagree, you know, it, it, that that used to be the norm. You used to be able to disagree with your neighbor and not like, you know, burn down his house.
1: Yeah, well, part of, part of what I understand about what we need to do to start to break down some of the conversations is that we need to put ourselves in a situation where we feel a little uncomfortable and I have to admit, I feel a little uncomfortable today. I feel a little uncomfortable about how different our opinions are about these issues, but I hope that we can continue to keep talking about them. And I hope that we can be an example of two people who can be loving and listen and hopefully listen to each other and learn more and, um, become more aware so that we can make a better impact in some of these things that are such a big deal. And you're right, the racial disparities that are happening right now and the statistics that are happening right now for our BIPOC community is unacceptable. And we need to continue to have conversations um, about how we can make a difference in that arena. So I really appreciate you bringing yeah, that
0: up. Yeah. And I would like to just add that, that um, in my, in my own little world, okay, I, okay. And I think you and in your world, too, we treat pretty much people with dignity, no matter where they come from or yes. whatever. Yes. So it, it's hard for me to figure out <laughs> why other people don't. I mean, it's just it's just I, 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 you know, I have sympathy for things, but it's really hard for me to empathize with somebody who has an opinion that just because the the, the, sex, the, the sex of it, or their gender or their color of their skin makes them somewhat less. I'm more about a person's values and their and their attitudes than I am about the superficial things that we you know that, that and so when you, when I'm asked that when I don't think that we disagree that much as far as when it comes to our individual caring about people in general I just don't know that we that we see the same path out of it I'm not sure that destroying everything is going to lead to better stuff uh, I just have more faith in in working within the system like martin luther king did and gandhi did whatever as far as peaceful stuff um making changes then than some of the let's let's tear it all down let's tear it all down
1: but let me let me let me make a point then
0: we will finish with this yeah because you're going to be done
1: here yeah i'm gonna be
0: done in a minute taking a knee is peaceful no i i I, yeah but but it's also it's also offensive to a large portion of people who maybe had a family member who fought in World War II or fought and died really, for the flag,
1: yeah. But you know, the, those people are also dying and are also offended and are uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, so I it, think, I think you're it's allowing them to um, <laughs> it's allowing them to um, to do that in a peaceful way. So you have to you have to understand that they are. Yeah. And to as a consumer, peaceful. we
0: that's different. As a consumer, I have the right to not turn on baseball. That's true. Correct. Yeah. Right. But but people and like we are talking about people and in, the in, in women who are who are in, you know, pregnant who who happen to be uh brown or black skin you know they they don't have the luxury of not turning on the medical system and they have to deal with the medical system as it is. That's very true. And, very different. And yeah. So anyway, I'm just thinking that when when people ask a question, I don't you know I, I don't see when somebody's sitting in my office and they're. Black or brown, Hispanic, Asian, white. You know, I just see a pregnant client in her partner. I know you do. Yeah. But we
1: also have to acknowledge that they they are feeling different and they are treated different in general.
0: Yeah, but how do you, you know, do you bring that up in conversation that I, that, that because isn't that sort of then treating them differently if you bring up the fact that, well, I know you're here in my office, but you know, you might be feeling a little bit, I mean, I'm assuming something that may not be, I mean, assuming facts, not evidence, I, you know, I don't know, maybe I just don't know how to, uh, how to approach that sort of thing. Empathize? Yeah. Well, not not empathize, but even bringing up, this isn't bringing it up, then sort of marginalizing. Um,
1: I guess it depends on how you are sensitive about
0: it. Yeah. Yeah. Good conversation. Yeah. All right, well we gotta quit. I don't
1: know if anybody even heard us because
0: mine was done and yours is <laughs> no. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hannah says that yeah, well, anyway she says that something thirty percent of doctors polls still believe that black people feel less pain. Right. I, don't, right. I, mean, I I mean I no, I I've never i have never polled about any of these things. <laughs> Nobody asked Dr. No, I it. never get polled you Dr. Know, you know, know, I never get polled a political <laughs> poll. I never get you know, maybe I just hang up on my because I don't I don't she have done. Done. <laughs> All right, well, anyway, that, this has been uh, Firetide Chat number 11, we've, uh, it's, been, it's been fun. <laughs> it's always fun.
1: This one was, was, was a little, the, little the, harder. You know what, oh, yeah, but these are the elephants in the room that right. have to be talked I about. I know, you're right, you're right.
0: Otherwise, I otherwise, know. we're not, you know, how do you go about, about having conversations every week and not talking about the 500-pound elephant? Yeah, room? no, no, you're right. Right. You're right. So... We can at least uh, agree to disagree. We'll see you uh next oh yeah, next Friday. Yeah, we, Same might, time. we might be in a different
1: location with some, some people. Yeah. We'll let you know when so we do that. That's a people. major positivity. <laughs> That's
0: all. all right, so thanks for right, listening. Have a good week. As always, we know you have an hour you can spend doing anything, so we'll really joke we'll spend it. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.